Hey, good morning. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with y'all, should say, because there is more than one of you. And we live in southern Ohio. That's how we talk around here. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. If this is your first time here, my name is Garrison, and I'm one of the pastors here at Veritas Dayton. Very glad to uh, be with you this morning. If you want to open your Bibles with me, we're going to look at John 16. John 16, verses 12 to 13. John 16, verses 12 to, not 13, 12 to 15, I should say. John 16, 12 to 15. Uh, If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be white or blue paperback Bibles at the edge of each bench. Grab one of those. Turn to John 16, 12 to 15. That's page 526 in those Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, take that one home. Uh, We'd love for you to to take that home and make it your own. That's our gift to you this morning. Uh, When you walked in this morning, you received a bulletin. um, And inside of that bulletin, there is uh, a little uh, card called a Connect card. Uh, if if you take a moment, fill that out, uh, especially if you're new here, if, you, uh, if this is your first time here, if you've been coming for a little bit but haven't gotten connected here, take a moment, fill that out. We'd love to get to know you a little bit. Um, let us know how we can be praying for you. There's a, a, an area for prayer requests there. Um, let us know uh, how we can get in contact with you. We, we, we'd love to get in contact with you and, and get to know you a little bit, maybe grab some lunch or a cup of coffee with you, something along those lines. Um, so please take a moment to fill that out. Uh, and you can turn that into, oh, I don't know, uh, the black box on the welcome table, or there's a, there's a bucket in the back there. You can turn it in there, or just turn it into uh, 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 myself or another leader that you've seen around here this morning, someone you've seen up here, uh, a person you know, by the welcome table when you walked in. There's just tons of places you could drop that. Um, all right, well, let's get into John 16, 12 through 15. If you want to stand with me for the reading of God's holy word. And we're going to listen with reverence, we're going to listen with joy, because this is the voice of Jesus. Uh, and so we want to read this uh, with, the, the, with the sense that Jesus is standing right here, saying it to us here this morning. And this is what he says. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. So we have spent the last nine Sundays looking at the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We've been in a sermon series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and this is the last Sunday of that series. And uh, we started with, uh, in that series with the, seeing the connection between the ascension of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit and how Jesus ascended into heaven to send the Holy Spirit to us to give us the, the kind of univer- universalization and internalization of his presence in the earth. Uh, and then we moved on to see that the Holy Spirit, uh, he's not an it, 
but he is a he, he's not a force, he's a he, he's a person, uh, a person who knows and can be known. We saw that he is a person who can be grieved, who desires, who speaks, he's a person. And then we saw how the Holy Spirit, he is sent to convict the world concerning, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment through the preaching of the gospel. And then we saw how the Holy Spirit converts us. Pastor Dan preached on that, and we saw how the Holy Spirit brings about the new birth. He causes us to be born again. And then Pastor JJ preached after that in Romans 8 that uh, the, the salvation that Christ has, has fully and completely accomplished is applied to us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit applies salvation to us. And then we moved on to, to see how the Holy Spirit, he sanctifies us. That is to say, he grows us uh, into more and more Christ-likeness. Um, and then we saw how the Holy Spirit equips us. He equips the church to serve the church. He equips us to serve one another. And then after that, we saw that he doesn't just equip us to serve one another. He equips us to serve the world as well. He fills us so that we might be Jesus' representatives in the world and so that we might serve the world in his name. And now we, we come at last to the last sermon of this nine-week series to see that the Holy Spirit has come to glorify the person and work of Jesus. He comes to glorify Jesus. And in many ways, we can even say that this is a, is a summary statement of, uh, the, uh, about the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when we say that he convicts us, he convicts us concerning the truth about Jesus. Uh, When we say that he converts us, he converts us into faith in Jesus. Uh, When we say that he applies salvation to us, he applies the salvation of Jesus Christ. When we say that he sanctifies us, he sanctifies us to be formed more and more into Christ-likeness. When we say that he equips us with spiritual gifts to serve the church, he equips us to serve the body of Christ in order to build one another up in Christ for the glory of Christ. When we say that he equips us to serve the world, we're saying that he equips us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, into the world for the glory of his name, for the glory of Christ's name. The Holy Spirit has come to us in history for the purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ in the church and across the globe. He has come to magnify Christ so so that Christ would be believed and enjoyed and adored and hoped in. And Jesus says much the same in our text this morning. The big idea of what Jesus is teaching the disciples here is that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus by guiding his people, guiding the church into the truth concerning Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus by guiding the church into the truth concerning Jesus. And we're going to unpack that by looking at two specific works mentioned here in this text. The Spirit glorifies and the Spirit guides. The Spirit glorifies, the Spirit guides. First, the Spirit glorifies. Now, Jesus says very plainly in verse 14 that when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit of truth comes, he says, he will glorify me. Uh, Now, that word glorify, uh, that's used in a couple of different ways in the New Testament. You might have noticed that as you're reading the New Testament, that it's used in a couple different ways. Sometimes that uh, word is used to talk about the resurrection, the resurrection that that Christ experienced on Easter Sunday and that we will one day experience when he returns. Uh, We call the resurrection of the body 
glorification uh, because uh, the resurrection is the human body being glorified and transformed into a glorious and eternal existence. That's what took place with Christ on Easter. That's what's going to take place with us when he returns. We know also in, in Acts 2, Peter talks about how the Holy Spirit is the one that raised Jesus from the dead. He's the one that glorified Christ's body. And so, in that sense, we could say that the Spirit glorified uh, Jesus on Easter Sunday. Um, We talked about that for a while in 1 Corinthians 15 a few months ago. But that can't be what Christ is talking about here, because he doesn't say that it's when the resurrection happens that the Spirit will glorify him, but when the Spirit comes that he will glorify Christ. He's saying that the Spirit will glorify Christ to the disciples when he comes. And uh, that phrase, when he comes, is most definitely in reference to the day of Pentecost, what we see in Acts 2, when the Spirit descended on the church. And so Jesus can't mean resurrection when he uses the word glorify here. Uh, sometimes that word glorify might mean to, to worship uh, and, and to adore. And that's perhaps getting a, a little closer uh, to what we see Jesus talking about here. That word translated as glorify here is, is actually the word uh, from which we get the English word doxology. Um, You may have heard that word before. We sing a song around here quite often called the doxology. Praise God from whom you know it. Uh, it's, it's, a word called, it's, it's a word that means worship. Um, it, it means to worship. We glorify God when we worship him in, in song. We, we sing the doxology and worship of God. Um, but we also need to make a distinction in the way that the Spirit glorifies Jesus and the way that we glorify Jesus. Uh, we don't glorify Jesus as his equals. We aren't equal to him because he's God. He's the second person of the Trinity. Well, the Spirit glorifies Jesus, but he is Christ's equal. He is true God of true God in the same way that Christ is. He's the third person of the Trinity. So what does it mean that he glorifies Jesus? Well, I think that the, the Thayer's lexicon is probably summing it up well when it says that to glorify means to make the dignity and worth of something known. To make the dignity and worth of something known. That's what the word glorify here means. That the Holy Spirit comes and he discloses the worth and beauty of Christ to us. He discloses the worth and beauty and excellence of Jesus to us. He exposes the loveliness of Christ to his people. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will take the excellence of Christ and will reveal it to his people. In John 15, 26, Jesus says much the same. He says that when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. When the Spirit comes, he doesn't come to bear witness to himself. He doesn't come to glorify himself. He doesn't come to give us cool and powerful experiences. He doesn't come to anoint some charismatic leader so that they can get a big following and buy a gold toilet. The Holy Spirit... He has a Christ-centered ministry in the new covenant. His ministry in the new covenant is centered upon the person and work of Jesus. Uh, J.I. Packer illustrates this probably better than anyone in his wonderful book, Keeping in Step with the Spirit. Um, He calls the new covenant ministry of the Holy Spirit floodlight ministry. Uh, one morning, uh, Dr. Packer was, was walking into church to preach on this very passage, and uh, his sermon was still unfinished, as this often happens. Uh, and, and he needed an illustration uh, to kind of communicate this idea of the text that we're in this morning. And, and as he's walking in, he saw, as it had always been, this beautiful uh, cathedral in Vancouver that he pastored at, this beautiful cathedral flooded 
with light. And he realized that that is an exact picture of what Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit does here. When floodlighting is, is well done, the floodlights are placed so that you can't really see them. You're not meant to see where the floodlights are, are coming from. You're meant to see the building which the floodlights are fixed on, he says. Uh, the intended effect is therefore to make visible which would otherwise not be visible because of uh, darkness during the nighttime and early morning. It's meant to maximize the, the building's dignity. It's meant to show you the, the building's beauty and, and excellent craftsmanship by showing all of its gorgeous details. Floodlights are meant to disclose the beauty and dignity and magnificence of such a building. And so it is with the Holy Spirit's new covenant ministry. He is sent and he comes in order to cast light on the person and work of Jesus. He is sent and he comes in order to draw attention to Jesus. Now, I remember being in a, in a room full of pastors and church planters one time. And we were discussing uh, what type of ministry it is that local churches should pursue and several, several of us, we agreed on these two points. We said, okay, so a local church uh, should be centered, uh, should be uh, in pursuit of being Christ-centered, and the local church should be uh, in pursuit of being Spirit-filled. Christ-centered and Spirit-filled, and we, we thought that was so uh, wonderful. And, and one pastor, my old mentor, Nick Nye, he said to us, that is totally redundant. That, that is Two ways, Christ-centered and Spirit-filled are two ways of saying the same thing. It's redundant. And we knew what we meant, and, and, and we agreed. And it's true. The, the true test to see if a church or a ministry or an individual is Spirit-filled is this. Do they draw attention to Jesus? Do they draw attention to Jesus? Is Jesus Christ lifted up as the one of infinite dignity and worth? Is he lifted up as worthy of all adoration? If not, then that church, that ministry, that individual can hardly be said to be filled with the Spirit. Because where the Spirit is, the attention is drawn to Jesus, to his perfect and righteous life, to his sacrificial death, to his victorious resurrection, to his ascension as king of all heaven and earth, to the forgiveness of sins that Christ has won on our behalf. Where the Spirit is, Christ is illumined, his work is glorified. Where the Spirit is, Christ is declared, he's glorified. He doesn't draw attention to powerful experiences. He doesn't draw attention to new, hip ways of doing church. He doesn't draw attention to a dynamic leader. He doesn't draw attention to gifted and charismatic people. He draws attention to the person and work of Jesus. His ministry is centered on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And wherever he's present, those people are fixed and centered on the same. The Spirit glorifies Jesus. But let's, let's get into more specifics. We've kind of narrowed in on the central phrase of this text in verse 14. He will glorify me. Let's kind of take a step back and see the way in which the Spirit glorifies Jesus. The Spirit glorifies Jesus by his guidance of the people of God. And the Spirit glorifies and the Spirit guides. And he glorifies through his guidance. Uh, look at the text again, starting in verse 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So he still has uh, many things to, to teach them about, but they're not capable of handling all of those things which Jesus would teach them right now because uh, they, they, they aren't filled with the Spirit to understand what Jesus is telling them or they're, they're maybe troubled because Jesus is about to be betrayed and, 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 and killed and crucified. So they can't handle the things that he, he has to tell them now. But, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the 
truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that, the, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit glorifies Christ through this guiding, this declaring ministry. Notice he says that when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now, that's, that's a verse that's been abused. Um, recognize here, he's not talking about just any old truth. Uh, he's, he's talking about something specific. There's a definite article here. He will guide you into all the truth. Jesus is talking about a specific truth. He's not talking about the truth concerning plumbing. He's not talking about the truth concerning botany. He's not talking about even the truth concerning who you're supposed to marry or where you're supposed to live. He's talking about the truth concerning the person and work of Jesus. He says, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Spirit won't speak on his own authority. Another way to put that would be, he won't speak on his own behalf, but rather on behalf of the person of Jesus. And the content of what he will say, Jesus says, is the things that are to come. Namely, things about the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the salvation, the return of Jesus. That's what's meant by the things that are to come. It's not just general things about the future, but rather he's talking about the specific events of Christ's passion that are about to take place as Jesus is teaching them. The Spirit's ministry is to glorify Jesus by guiding us into the truth concerning the person of Jesus, glorifying the person of Jesus, and teaching us, guiding us, declaring to us the truth about the work of Jesus. Now, how does he do this? How does the Spirit guide us into the truth concerning Jesus? He does this through uh, inspiration and illumination. We'll unpack that. First, inspiration. We need to see first that the Holy Spirit guided the apostles first. The apostles, he's talking to the apostles here, he guided them into the truth concerning Jesus. So the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, filled the apostles in such a way for the purpose of inspiring the writings of the New Testament. You know, we, we do this thing sometimes where uh, we, we, when we read the Bible, we approach it with an us-centered mentality, which can kind of mar the meaning of the text. The, the first thing we often ask when we approach the Bible is, uh, what is there here for me? And that's not the first question we should ask. That is a question we should ask eventually, but that's not the first question. The first question is, is who, what did this mean to the original audience, to the, to the people who originally heard what Jesus was saying here? That will, the, the, the other question, what does this mean? What, asking that first will inevitably lead to a misunderstanding and misuse of the scriptures. So before we get to any sort of application of, of the text, we need to first consider who originally heard these words and what it meant to them. Who is Jesus talking to here? He's talking to the disciples, the apostles, the eleven who along with the Apostle Paul went on to write and oversee the writing of the New Testament. And this promise of guidance into the truth concerning Jesus most immediately applies to that of those who were hearing these words of Jesus, who were present when Jesus was teaching. And this promise was fulfilled in the Spirit coming and filling them, enabling them to pen the words of the New Testament, which reveals the truth concerning Jesus. Are you with me? And notice this, he he doesn't say, he doesn't just say that the Spirit will guide them into the truth, which he does say, but he says that the Spirit will guide them into all 
the truth. Meaning that the truth we have about Jesus in the New Testament is all that we need. Like it's sufficient. The scriptures contain all the truth about Jesus that we need. It's all the truth that we truly need concerning Jesus. We don't need any further redemptive historical special revelation. If you have friends who are Mormons, or if you have friends who are Seventh-day Adventists, or anyone who relies on some form of, of, of further revelation, you can point them to this verse where Jesus says that the Spirit will guide and declare the truth of Jesus to the apostles in such a way that he will inspire all the writings about Jesus that we need in the New Testament. We don't need any more apostles. We don't need any more Spirit-inspired books. The Spirit's not going to inspire any further revelation. He provided exactly what we need in what we have. So if you have a Bible right now, you have this wonderful gift, you have this fulfillment of this promise in your hands. Right here in this book is the truth concerning Jesus Christ. That's why we should be so devoted to this book. Not, not because uh, uh, so that we can know a bunch of rules, uh, not so that we can live good moral lives, not so that we can uh, see the examples of the saints and, and the stories of, about the saints. Uh, those things might have a place, but the reason we're so devoted to this book is because it is the Spirit-inspired guide through which we see the person and work of Jesus. And so here's a principle you need to employ as you read the Bible and a principle we always seek to employ here as we read and preach the Bible here as a church. We read it to see and savor the person and work of Jesus. In fact, if we don't read the Bible with that end in mind, then we aren't reading the Bible correctly. As, as Jesus said to the Jews in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures Because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus is the purpose of the scriptures. He's the protagonist. He's the the entire purpose, the entire point of the scriptures. And so when we read the scriptures and preach the scriptures, we do so to see and savor Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures precisely for that end to glorify Jesus by guiding us into the truth concerning him. A second, the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth concerning Jesus through illumination, inspiration and illumination. He he only worked in this guiding ministry of inspiration in the apostles, but he still glorifies Christ to us by guiding the rest of us through illumination. He illumines the scriptures, which have been inspired. He illumines the scriptures to us. He illumines Christ through the scriptures to us. Uh, You know, we've all experienced uh, someone we know hearing the gospel through a sermon or through personal evangelism or through reading the Bible, but yet they remain unaffected by what they hear. They still don't see Christ. They still don't savor him. They don't believe on him. And yet others... Many of us here, we've heard sermons. We've heard the gospel through a friend sharing the gospel with us. We've read the Bible and we see the truth about Jesus and we respond by trusting in him. Why is that? What's the difference? The difference is the Holy Spirit's work of illumination. Illumination is the Holy Spirit's work of enabling a person to spiritually understand and comprehend the truth of Scripture. Apart from the Spirit illuminating the message of the Scriptures to us, we are so blind in our sin to the beauty and majesty and perfection of Jesus that we cannot see him. We we cannot believe upon him. We cannot enjoy him. 
Romans 1.18 speaks of this. When Paul says that apart from the Holy Spirit, in our unrighteousness, we suppress the truth. And he says much the same in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So in our natural state, we reject the message of the Scriptures. We reject the person and work of Jesus. But in the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, he opens our minds and hearts to comprehend the truth concerning Jesus Christ. And he continues to do that throughout the Christian life. He does that over and over and over again. He continues to shine more and brighter light on Jesus so that we can continue to grow in our knowledge of him and our affection for him. He continues to grow our comprehension of the beauty and excellence of Christ as it's revealed in the scriptures. Now, some have taken this doctrine of illumination and they've said, see, we, we, I don't need church. I don't need other Christians. All I need is the Holy Spirit and the Bible translated in my language. Well, that's false. We know this because the Bible itself tells us that we need Christian community. We need the church. The illuminating work of the Holy Spirit doesn't guarantee an infallible understanding of Scripture any more than the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit guarantees that we'll never sin again. We need others to help us rightly understand and interpret the Bible. We need the church throughout history, and we need others in a local church community to help us grow in our comprehension and understanding and enjoyment of Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. And we need to recognize, too, that other Christians are filled with the Spirit, And they've received this gift of illumination. They've seen and comprehended the beauty of Christ and probably seen and comprehended things that we haven't yet. So we should depend on one another for our understanding and enjoyment of Christ. As Charles Spurgeon once said about those preachers who refuse to use commentaries, he said, I find it odd that those who think so highly of what the Holy Spirit teaches them think so little of what the Holy Spirit teaches others also. The Holy Spirit is not just an individual gift. He is a corporate gift given to the body of Christ. No one has a corner on the market of the Holy Spirit or his gift of illumination. And the Spirit uses others in the gift of of the Spirit-filled body of Christ to illumine Christ to us. He's filled the body of Christ for that exact purpose, to cast a light on Jesus Christ, to do this this floodlighting ministry. The Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus by guiding the the church into the truth concerning Jesus. And he guides us into the truth concerning Jesus through the inspired writings of the New Testament, through the apostles, and through the illuminating work, illuminating the scriptures to us so that we might see and savor Jesus Christ. Two things as we close, two ways of of sort of detecting uh, the measure in which we're walking in step with the Spirit. Two two ways of detecting the measure in which we're walking in step with the Spirit. And this is true of us as a congregation. This is true of us as individuals. Uh, First, are we paying attention to Jesus? And second, are we drawing attention to Jesus? Are we paying attention to Jesus and are we drawing attention to him? Are we paying attention to Jesus? Are we paying attention to him? as we are encountering him in the scriptures on a regular basis? Are we paying attention to him by going to him in prayer? Are we paying attention to him by being mindful of him throughout the day and obeying him in our daily lives? Are we paying attention to him? Are we carrying on our lives as if he's not the king of heaven and earth? Are we carrying on in our lives as if he hasn't laid claim to us? Are we 
carrying on in our lives as if, he, as if he's not there. And this is especially important because we live in an age of a million distractions. We have phones and iPads and TV and Slack and Twitter and Snapchat, and the list goes on and on and on, all calling for our attention, all calling us to not be present where we are, all calling us, potentially calling our attention away from Jesus. And I'm not saying to get rid of those things. Some of them are just part of daily life. But it just means that we need to be all the more careful and all the more diligent as followers of Christ to pay attention to him. To pay attention means to attend to something, to be present to something. So to pay attention to Jesus means to attend to him, to be present to him. And the Holy Spirit is all about this. The Holy Spirit is all about paying attention and drawing attention to Jesus. A.W. Tozer, the A.W. Tozer quote in your bulletin puts it best when he says, the Holy Spirit is drawn to the sweet name of Jesus as bees are drawn to the fragrance of clover. And if we're filled with him, we will be too. We will pay attention to Jesus. And if we're paying attention to Jesus, we'll also be drawing attention to Jesus. And I briefly mentioned this earlier, but it's simple. It is easy to discern where the Holy Spirit is present. It's easy to discern where he's present. If a church, if a ministry, if a person is not drawing attention to Jesus, it can hardly be said to be filled with the Spirit because where the Spirit is, the attention is drawn to Jesus. And that's why the church exists in the first place, to draw attention to Jesus, to go into the world, to go into our city with good news and good works, to help others see and savor Jesus Christ. In one sense, the Spirit illumines Christ to us so that we might illumine Christ to the world. So I ask, are we drawing attention to Jesus? Are we helping others see and savor Jesus Christ? Are we helping others follow Jesus? Because he's the one worthy of adoration. He is the one with infinite dignity and worth. He is the one of infinite beauty and excellence. That's why the Holy Spirit loves to glorify him. And that's why we must as well. Because he's where we find forgiveness and newness of life and redemption and restoration. So may we pay attention to him. May we draw attention to him. Let's pray together. Spirit, we ask for your help. Spirit, we ask that you would glorify Jesus in our hearts, in our midst, and that you would glorify Jesus through us as we are in a few moments going to be sent out into our city. Would you, would you empower us for the purpose of glorifying Christ, illumining Christ, showing forth his dignity and worth and excellence in our world, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. And would you help us as we go to, to pay attention to him, to, to recognize where he's at work in our lives, to recognize where he's present, to see him in the faces of those that we interact with on a regular basis, in the poor, and the forgotten, and the least, and the lonely, and the lost. Would you help us to serve him faithfully there? And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to continue to pay attention to him as we read the scriptures, to see him, illumine him, in the word of God to us. Help us to see him in your word and to enjoy him, to trust him, to hope in him, to believe upon him, and to obey him. We need your help with this. And so it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Let's take a few moments for silent reflection before
we approach the Lord's table.